Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, I'm joined by Megan Dilley, a customer success advocate who most recently served as the head of customer success at Choose. We first connected over a conversation about compensation, which is one of my favorite topics. I think many of you know that. I thought it was only fitting to focus our conversation today on compensation for CS teams, including alternatives to variable comps. So Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kristen. I'm so excited to be here. Can you give the audience a little background on your career path and how you wound up in customer success? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I've always loved relationship building and working with customers. Early on in college, I started working in ad sales. Um, Upon graduating from college, I moved abroad to the Czech Republic and did outreach for travel abroad programs. Um, And then when I moved back to the States, I started working at an advertising agency on the account side of the house and um, loved that relationship building aspect and um, program building I did with them. When I moved up to San Francisco, I found a small startup, Choose. Um, And I joined as the fifth employee um, as one of our first account managers there. Um, And over time, I built out the customer success department. Um, So I want to give you guys a little more insight about what Choose does to give you context for the rest of the things I'll bring to the discussion today. Um, But Choose curates and delivers family-style meals from local restaurants to offices of anywhere from 15 to about 500 employees who order meals for their teams. Um, Choose is a logistics company, not a SaaS company. Um, So that's one distinction that's a bit different from the way that my experience has been from some of you who may be in in true SaaS companies. We don't have contracts. Um, You know, it presents a lot of challenges for the CS team because we don't have a, you know, set renewal date. Um, We're dealing with order issues that can crop up on any day of the week. Um, So this really makes retention a constant focus for us. We don't have the luxury of um, kind of, you know, building a retention plan that's closer to renewal date. Um, So that's a little background about that. Our our KPIs um, at Choose for customer success were all about um, customer retention first and foremost and expansion. Got Um, it. We worked with customers throughout the entire life cycle. Um, And if anyone is interested in, you know, evolving account management to customer success, that's something that we did. So be happy to talk to people about that later as well. Very cool. Uh, So let's get into our topic. I love talking about compensation because I find the relationship between pay and behavior really fascinating. Um, I want to hear from you, though. Why do you think that compensation is such an important topic in customer success? 
Yeah. I mean, compensation is such an important piece of employee happiness and engagement regardless of role. Um, But, you know, I think in particular with customer success managers, it's important to note that it's a difficult role. You know, you're on the line for retention and expansion if that's a part of of your function at your company. You're working to achieve those objectives for the company and the ultimate ultimate success for your customer. And it can feel like a thankless job sometimes. Um, (laughs) Not to mention, you know, the multitude of priorities you have to juggle when you work with customers. Um, So I think, you know, really having a comp plan that incentivizes your team to focus on the top priorities, um, then in some cases may be harder to achieve, like expansion, for example, Mm -hmm. um, will really help them say yes to the right activities for the customer and the company and help them say no to the less important things. Um, I think that will really lead to more happy, um, successful team members and overall a more successful customer base. I agree. I think it's all about prioritization, especially for customer success teams. There's so so many things they're asked to do, and it takes so much of their time, and and helping the team to choose the right things is absolutely critical. Totally. So thanks for your perspective on that. Before we get too deep into this topic, let's define a few things for the audience. I'm, I'm, you know, not everybody here maybe knows all of the details about compensation. So we're going to be talking about salary. That's your base compensation. You might hear it called your base or um, your static compensation or your salary, whatever um, terminology your company uses. And then variable. So that's your bonus or your commission plan. Um, That's the part that varies depending on your performance. Um, Megan, what other types of compensation or incentives are you planning to cover today? Yeah. Um, So we want to talk about some easy steps that you all can take to start playing with incentivizing your team. If you don't already have a variable compensation structure in place yet, you know, things like contests, um, things like team bonding funds, personal development budgets, that sort of thing. Um, We'll also be talking about some alternative compensation philosophies like open and fully transparent salaries. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Um, So different companies have different cultures around compensation. Some are very open. Some are very closed. Some prefer large bases with very little variable comp. Other teams believe strongly in bonus plans. Tell me about the compensation culture at Choose. Yeah. Um, So at Choose, we transitioned to a fully transparent and open salary system a few years ago. Um, And this was a company-wide framework, not just a a customer success team framework. Um, So, you know, the reason we did this is because as a company, we really value transparency. Um, And so we wanted to do something pretty radically different with with compensation. Um, You know, it's one of those things that is such a taboo topic for a lot of companies and individuals. Um, And so we wanted to really turn that on its head um, and do something different. And so so in practice, what this looks like for the team is a a Google Doc. Um, It has every person's name, their role, um, their total compensation, including their base salary, their OTE, their equity, and an output level. And the output level is really the the piece of the puzzle that allows us to increase people's salary. So I'll talk a little bit more about the components of the open salary system. And so having the system means that because all of our salaries are open, um, we really needed to lock people into specific salary bands and keep that consistent across um, single roles. So this removes the ability for people to really negotiate their salary and have kind of a salary that's maybe in between. Um, so it provides a lot of consistency for people in, in similar roles. But the output level, which is an alphabetical 
range from A to G is the system that allows people to actually grow and increase their salary in any given role. So, you know, at an output level A, these are the most entry level folks or people who have um, the least amount of experience in that given role. Um, All the way up to output level G is really somebody who is very, very well established in the industry, probably somebody who is, you know, maybe doing consulting on the side or doing speaking engagements, that sort of thing. And so every time you advance your output, your salary increases. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about some of the pros and cons of that system. But that's that's overall how this system works. The other things that need to be in place here um, are having kind of an annual salary review process where we benchmark all roles. So if you're a CSM, you know, in San Francisco, or if you're a CSM in LA, annually, you know, we're taking a look at pay scale reports um, and other systems to ensure that we are paying fairly for that role to make sure the market isn't going severely up or down and we're adjusting accordingly. The other thing here that's important is that we have a review process with managers and employees. So we have monthly reflections or one-on-ones, and at each of those reflections is an opportunity to really talk about, you know, how people are doing, what their growth path is, talk about their output level, if that's something that's appropriate to talk about at the time. Um, So it really just encourages a lot of open conversations. The other thing here that's really interesting is that, you know, in the hiring process, since this is such an important cornerstone of the culture um, and our values, um, we talk to candidates about our compensation philosophy on our first call. So we introduce them to open salaries. We get them, you know, bought into the idea of being in this system. And of course, if they're not, then then great, it's probably not a good fit and we can kind of cut the hiring process off from there. Um, and then even when they get to the on-site interview before they come in, we give them a range of output levels that we think they would come in on in that role so that they can say, yes, this feels good and comfortable. I would like to continue to the on-site. That is really different than most early stage companies in terms of a compensation program. So I would love to hear about the pros and cons. I'm thinking of pros and cons as you speak. So, yeah. um, but, I, but I'd love to hear in practice what that really looked like, because I think, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of very large companies have a structure where there's, you know, there's pay grades, um, you know, and, and levels like your A to G system. Yeah. Uh, but I have not seen that in a lot of small companies. And even in large companies that have that, it's visible to the people who are in the role, but it's not visible to people for other roles necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so at that level of visibility is so high. I would really love to hear what you see as the pros and cons of an open comp structure. Yeah, there's so many. I could go on for days about it. <laughs> um, but you know, I think first and foremost, I think the biggest pro is that this kind of structure should enable us to really assign compensation to people, new hires, existing um, team members, and an unbiased way, right? So it doesn't allow us to take into consideration any of those other biases we may have in the hiring process. And it's really just about um, what we think their output in that role will be, a a merit-based system, you know, based on some experience and what we know about them um, and what the role is. and, And that's it. Um, so I, I love that part of it. Um, and just generally, as we talked about, you know, comp can really be such a taboo topic that most people don't discuss openly. Right. And I think if, if you value transparency as a company, you know, open salary systems really help you put your money where your mouth is. And I think that's um, so important. 
Um, I think, you know, the accountability piece here is, is really key. Um, you know, having all this information public for everyone, um, and really building a system in which, you know, managers need to increase their team members output means that managers and employees are having more conversations about comp. And there's also more accountability for the company to pay fairly, I think. You know, it really allows us to build a system where we can um, outline a, a path to growth, you know, as an early stage company. Um, and when you're talking to a candidate and, you know, they ask you in the interview process, um, what's my growth path here? A lot of times as a really early stage company, you don't have set growth paths for people. You don't have many layers of um, management yet. There's not a lot of opportunity for upward mobility at the moment. Um, but what you can really focus in on is the fact that people can take their growth into their own hands in their in, in the role that they join in, um, if that works for them. And that growth from you know output level A to G and really working on that individual growth um, can be really motivating. Um, so I, I like that piece of it too. And it also, you know, with that growth path, um, it allows managers to really partner with their team to build those individual development plans to make sure that we are talking about, you know, where you're at today, why you may be an output level D, and what you need to be working on to get to an output level E. And then it also holds managers' feet to the fire when you say, okay, here's what you need to do. And once that's achieved, um, then we're going to reevaluate this, and then you can increase output at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do all of that in a system of, you know, it, the system is more flexible, I would say, um, than your traditional comp system. Mm -hmm. um, and you can make these changes at any point. You don't have to wait for an annual review or a six-month review. Cool. Um, yeah. And also, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but, you know, because we don't negotiate salaries, I think that's also a pro. Um, you know, in the hiring process, you don't have to worry about potentially a lengthy negotiation process. Um, with new hires, hiring managers don't have to worry about that either. Yeah. Um, and, you know, lastly, I think for employees, what we've seen is that really when you get those output level increases, it results in a larger percentage increase um, when you achieve it instead of, you know, maybe a more common 2% annual increase. Right. So that can be more motivating as well. Yeah, lots of pros. I mean, I, I love the the fairness aspect of it. I think that yeah. this does away with the sort of gender bias in pay, yeah. which is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> as a woman in business, I very much appreciate that. And I, I think yeah. it gets rid of a lot of other biases too. And so I like that. I know that there are some cons. So tell us about those. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, the, the biggest one here is like, if you, if you do implement a system like this, you have to be ready to manage it. Um, it takes a lot to manage the system. You know, you need to have really, really clear definitions for each of these outputs and those output levels need to be so clearly defined that it feels very objective and it doesn't feel subjective when somebody has, you know, an output level D versus an E, right? People are always going to compare themselves to each other. Um, and I think making that comparison and productive was really hard, but it can be done. You know, if you think about um, people in customer success roles and, you know, maybe comparing themselves to other folks on the team that may have a higher output level, they may agree or disagree with that, um, but you can really motivate people to work together and encourage more of a mentorship and coaching relationship from peers, um, which was one of the big goals of the system as well. And that can also work across roles. You know, if there's somebody else in another function that is at a higher output level than you, um, it, it can it can work to talk with them about, you know, what they're working on, how they got where they are, that sort of thing. 
I think, you know, at a high level, if, if employees aren't bought into the value and kind of the big why behind the system and, and why as a company you've put this into place, it can really get toxic because comp is so sensitive. Um, at that point, if people don't agree with this system, um, it can become a culture issue. So that's something to watch out for. Um, but that is why, you know, I'd recommend putting so much emphasis early on in the hiring process and making sure that people understand why this system is in place. Um, but it's definitely something you have to maintain you know, throughout an employee's life cycle yeah. um, because things change and um, you need to make sure that people still uh, agree with that vision. Um, but yeah, I think overall the definitions are, are most important. You know, the definitions will change as the company evolves um, and you just need to be open and honest with people about that and, and maintain them well. As a, as a manager, you know, you, you will have more conversations about compensation, um, honestly. And if, if that's something that you, you don't want to be having more conversations about, then this probably isn't a good system. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I truly think this is a good thing. Um, you know, your employees will bring you the things they would otherwise not tell you, um, really enabling you to make changes that support the team um, or enabling you to simply clarify the system so people have a stronger understanding of where they stand and how they can grow. So I really think that's, that's more of a but it is it is something to know. And lastly, you know, during the hiring process, you'll definitely lose some candidates who don't agree with the system. I think that's okay too, right? You're hiring for people that, you know, are going to be good culture fits for the company and who align well with your values. And if this is the thing that they can't agree with, then it's better, you know, up front. Um, but I have found that it can be really tough um, for salespeople in particular because they are so used to negotiating. So when we tell them, you know, up front that like you won't be able to negotiate your salary, um, sometimes people aren't okay with that. So that's just something to keep in mind too. But again, that just, you know, kind of validates the importance of being really transparent early on in the interview process. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true of a lot of different culture factors in addition to compensation. I mean, you need to figure out if the person is a culture fit. And so if you've got that on the table during the hiring process, that helps you, you know, it's just like any other culture thing. It can help you um, select the right people and weed out the ones that aren't going to be a fit down the road. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I want to share some information about the customer success workshops we offer at the Success League. Each of the classes we teach as a part of our CSM training program is also offered in a two to three hour expanded workshop format. These on-site sessions are designed to provide a rich learning experience for customer success teams and include group discussions, team exercises, and tools that team members can put to use right away. Some of the recent topics we have been addressing through these workshops are engaging executives, uncovering opportunities, building persuasion and negotiation skills, and managing time. If you have a customer success team event coming up, consider adding one of our half or full day workshops to build your group's skills and drive teamwork. I also want to mention a terrific resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200-page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build the customer success function within their organization. For more information about either the workshops or the ebook, you can visit thesuccessleague.io or strikeduck.com. And now back to our interview. So what kind of variable compensation plan did you have in place for your team? How did that work for you? 
Yeah. So I'll just kind of share the overall evolution of compensation for my CS team at Choose, just for some context. So um, we were at 100% base comp. Um, and we had no variable prior to open salaries early, early on. Um, okay. When open salary was launched, you know, a few years back, everyone got a really big raise. We also had just secured our Series A. That um, so everyone was feeling really <laughs> it, it helped a lot. Um, so everyone was feeling really good about their new raises and their roles. Um, and at that point, I wanted to add in an additional variable comp element. And I went to the team and I started talking with them about it and they got really, really nervous. At that time, I wasn't going to be able to increase um, their overall, you know, total OT. Okay. Um, it would have been taking down their base a little bit and giving them, you know, an, a variable on top. So hopefully they would be making more, right, than their total base that they would have today. But it was a little nerve wracking for them and I could totally understand. Yeah. Um, so we decided not to move forward with any variable at that point. Um, and we kind of had other priorities and the team was happy with their compensation and we were moving forward. Um, and so we didn't really readdress um, compensation until fairly recently. I was finding, you know, that as customer list really grew, um, our, our KPI started to change, you know, a couple years in. So it was less about just retention and it was becoming more and more about expansion. Um, and in this system without a, a variable element, it was so hard for the team to focus on expansion when you really have so much work to do in, in simply retaining your customers. Yeah. Um, you know, we would, we would start a group meeting um, and we'd talk about, you know, big priorities for the week. And it was so rare to hear anyone in the room um, talk about, you know, an upsell that they're working with a customer. Um, It was usually about overall customer health and and what they were doing to retain customers. So that to me was a big like, okay, there's something missing here. Um, We're not incentivizing the right activities. Although of course, retention is the right activity. Like how do we get them to spend more time on that upsell? Um, Because it did become the easiest thing to say no to or push to the next week. Um, So, you know, a bit later on, we really started exploring variable comp and what that would look like. Um, And that's when I got in touch with you, Kristen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, it really kind of spurred this whole idea of, you know, the importance of experimenting um, before you make a wholesale change to comp. You know, I, and I think this was a great learning even earlier on a couple years back when I was like, great, let's add in a variable comp element. And the team was like, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Um, You know, it's like we could have experimented with that earlier on. And so, you know, thinking about ways that we could kind of simply test incentives and really understand what's going to be motivating to the team and encourage that behavior that we're looking for um, was what we started to focus on. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where we got to. And I know we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit more about, about that. Yeah. I just, I'll jump in and add something from my own experience about experimenting. Um, My background uh, is, comes from sales. And so, you know, the first time I was offered a a compensation plan that had a variable component. I freaked out about that. I hadn't come from that world. And so um, it's, I think it's always a little surprising and and sometimes nerve wracking to team members to um, be in that situation. But I love, I love the idea of testing and where that comes from for me is, you know, I had come from managing sales teams who are very accustomed to being on variable comp plans and I wanted to put a variable comp plan in place for a uh, support team that I was leading at one point in my career. And for that team, I realized after some trial and error that the things that motivated that group were very different from the things that motivated a, a typical sales team. So they were more invested in 
um, the team succeeding as a group, whereas salespeople tend to be more focused on succeeding as an individual. Um, they were more mm -hmm. interested in rewards that were team-based rewards than the sales team who prefers individual rewards. And so, you know, learning all of that and kind of trying different things with that group really enabled me to see that you know, different groups value different things. And I think if you can tailor your compensation plan to the group, that makes a huge difference and really helps to drive the performance you're looking for. So I really learned um, from that experience that testing and trying things out is an important part of getting to a compensation plan that really works for your group. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about the alternatives you employed to drive positive behavior on your team? I'm thinking about things like contests or events or growth opportunities. What did you try and how did it work? Yeah. So we can talk about contests. Um, so Yay. that's what we wanted to start with. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. I love contests. Um, <laughs> so the way we structured it is, you know, I, I structured like a, a single quarter experiment, um, really wanted to incentivize the team to hit an overall upsell team goal and an individual upsell goal for them specifically. Um, and I started by really getting the team involved in the development of this program. You know, first and foremost, talking about the vision of CS Comp at Choose, kind of our timeline and, and next steps um, to ensure that that was a vision that they were excited about, you know. And then we started with the experiments um, and we basically just structured it as, you know, it's going to be a quarterly experiment and we have a quarterly team goal and you have a quarterly individual goal and we will give out two different awards for, you know, the person who um, hits the individual goal and we will reward the team. Um, and it seemed, although we weren't able to complete this experiment, um, just given team structure changes that happened, people were really excited about the, the team incentive. Um, and, you know, we were, I believe we were looking to do something like, um, I don't know, I think it was like a $1,000 budget for, for our team to go out and do something fun together. So we're cool. not talking about like a lot of money, um, which also makes it really easy in the experimentation process to get buy-in um, from finance, right? Yeah. To say, okay, you want a long-term, you know, build a variable comp plan, great. But all we're looking to do is get a $1,500 budget approved for the quarter. And that's pretty easy for, for finance to approve. I think an important learning here for me is that, you know, if, if you have teams in multiple markets, um, make sure that you're running experiments at a global level involving all markets. Um, unless, of course, you know, your teams have different KPIs and it wouldn't make sense to incentivize the same things. But you want to make sure that it feels equitable across all markets. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from there, if we would have completed the experiment, we would have gone into really building that variable comp plan if we learned what behaviors uh, really incentivized um, the outcomes we were looking for. If we didn't learn after the first quarter, um, I think we would have just extended it and then gone into um, actually building that variable comp plan for more permanently um, the following quarter. I think that's a great example of how you can use contests to really test out um, think, you know, what will work and what won't work in your longer term permanent variable plan. Um, and so, you know, I think contests are great for that. Two other things that I think contests are really great for, they're great for building visibility of what the customer success team is doing inside the larger organization. I think there's still a lot of PR that needs to happen around what is customer success? Is this just 
account management that's been rebranded. Like, you know, there's a lot of confusion about what customer success is. And so, you know, one of the contests we did, um, at a company I worked for was a contest called Share the Love. And we did it around Valentine's Day. And we had some goals for the CS team to achieve as a part of um, the contest. And if they, if a person won um, the contest for the week, they would get a gift card as their own reward, but then they would also get a second gift card, same amount, and a, a thank you note that they could use to write to somebody else in the organization, it had to be a different department that had helped them achieve that goal. And so it really um, provided a lot of visibility for other parts of the organization into what customer success was doing and how they were helping with customer success. So it was a really good PR um, move from from a contest standpoint. I think the other kind of thing that contests can do is they can keep your team focused on short-term goals or focused during really distracting times of year. Summer is a really distracting time of year. Everyone really is thinking about their vacations and it's sunny outside and it can be really hard to focus on work. So I always liked running contests in the summer because that kind of kept everyone on track during the summer. And then also the holiday season is is terrible. Everyone's got parties. Everyone's got, you know, stuff that they're doing and vacations and things like that. And so the holidays are another time of year where if you're running a contest, it can keep things focused short term on um, getting the job done. And you can be so creative with contests. And I always loved that part about it. If you talk to anyone who worked with me at Vertical Response, they will tell you about the elaborate contests that we had there that were, I thought, pretty fun for the group. So uh, it's a chance to kind of take things out of the norm, um, but still drive really strong performance from your team. Um, There's some other things that I think you can think about if you're trying to come up with alternatives to variable comp, a classic variable comp plan. Um, You can uh, do events for the team. You mentioned that. I think driving toward an event is a really good thing for a customer success group. And then also career development opportunities, making those available to people who have been hitting their goals, uh, I think is is another way to, to incent behavior. We had a manager on our team, Justin Smith at Vertical Response, who um, designed a really amazing program called Project Odyssey for our support team. And that program was really designed to give people who were consistently hitting their goals in support the chance to intern with other departments around the company. So for us, the support team frontline positions were kind of an entry to the company. And so a lot of people took those positions so that they could learn more about marketing or learn more about engineering or product. And so if you were hitting your goals for a quarter, the next quarter you would get a chance to, on Friday afternoons, intern with another um team in the company and learn about that team. Over the period of time that we ran that program, we were actually able to place 11 support reps into other departments in the company, um, which was great for them and for their career path and also really good for the organization because it spread this customer focus throughout the company. So I think it had a lot of benefits. So those are some some other alternatives um, to variable comp that I think people can be thinking about. Um, I want to come back to what you said earlier, though, about some CSMs get really nervous about variable plans. 
why, why do you think that is? And what can leaders do to address those concerns? Yeah, you know, I think like comp is sensitive. Um, and, you know, I think leaders just need to remember that. Um, and they need to remember that concerns around compensation, whether it's variable comp or not, don't always have to do with the structure or the figures, right? There could be other things going on there. So I always think that, you know, we really need to strive to authentically know our people, um, understand what motivates them, really into it how they're doing and prioritize their success truly. Um, and I think of this as really not being all that different from working with customers directly. And if you've ever managed customers directly yourself, you may agree that employing some customer management strategies to your team is actually super helpful. Um, yep. You know, for me in particular, like I, it sort of just dawned on me one day. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually really kind of managing my team in the same way I'd manage a customer. And I think that, <laughs> that you know, gives those of us who've worked with customers before directly, um, I think, a advantage as we embark on, on managing people. People, um, because it's really, really similar, you know, being very responsive and transparent, having authentic care for them, advocating for them, being collaborative and truly solving problems. You know, I think in that same vein, really, as a leader, we have to remember too that we part of our job is to really sell and, and get our team bought in. Um, you know, if people have concerns about variable comp, you know, listen to those concerns, understand what's, you know, making them worried or apprehensive about that kind of structure um, and really help them see the benefits of variable comp, you know, that they can make more money and that it helps them clarify their priorities. Um, it gives them more objective performance reviews, those sorts of things. And of course, if there are still underlying concerns under that, that are, um, that you're not able to address, maybe they're really valid underlying concerns that you need to take back to the rest of the leadership team to restructure the way you're thinking about comp. So as you think about your next leadership role, what will be your approach to planning compensation for your team? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, behind as cheesy as this can sound, um, behind every successful customer, there should be a very happy, successful CSM. Um, you know, I think comp is one important foundation for making all of that possible. So, you know, really learning what's motivating to the team, what works about the current comp structure will definitely be my first step if I'm inheriting a team. Um, and what yeah. doesn't work about that structure. Um, you know, if I'm building a team from scratch, I'll, I'll certainly prioritize aligning, you know, our incentives with KPIs and start with experiments right out of the gate to learn what will make a successful variable comp plan moving forward. So last question, and this is one we ask all of our guests, what do you see as the biggest trend in our field right now and why? Oh, this is such a hard one. I was like, how can I pick just one? But I think, you know, I went with the thing that came to mind first for me, and that's what what's really been top of mind, you know, scaling customer success teams has been a trend for a while now. Um, but I'm really seeing more discussion around truly partnering with marketing teams um, and utilizing marketing automation to scale CS instead of just focusing on, you know, CS automation tools that are specific to that function. Um, so I'm interested to see, see where that keeps going. Yeah, I, I really think that there's a, a role for customer marketing. Um, in a, in a broader way than it's been utilized in the past. And I think that ties directly into this and that marketing automation and the CS software can be tied together more effectively than maybe even they are right now. Mm -hmm. um, I see there's, there's room for growth, I think, for the technology companies that are serving customer success um, to really fill that need. I don't know if you're seeing that as well, but I, I think that that's Absolutely. a gap still for many companies. Absolutely. 
So Megan, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And I really appreciate hearing about your approach and ideas on compensation for customer success teams. I think it's really interesting what you did with the open comp plan and how that, you know, kind of helps to facilitate fairness in uh, hiring practices and pay practices. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I can't wait to hear how you tackle contests and variable comp in your next leadership role. It'll be exciting. We have to keep talking about this. Maybe we can do another podcast. Absolutely. That'd be so much fun. Thank you, Kristen. This was awesome. Um, I always have so much fun talking with you. And I love that you prioritize sharing insight with the community. This is so great. Um, And, you know, if any listeners out there have ideas, questions or comments they want to share, just want to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly at dilly.megan at gmail.com. That's D-I-L-L-E-Y dot M-E-G-A-N at gmail.com. Awesome. Thanks so much, Megan. (laughs) I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. 